0: Hello and welcome to the hacked off podcast in today's episode I have been asked to talk to you about vulnerability scanning and this podcast is supposed to be titled an intro to vulnerability scanning talking about what is it who is it for that kind of thing Um, but I would like to talk a little bit more broadly about automation within security testing and how thinking about security testing in this kind of um, vulnerability scanning or pen testing or red teaming where is probably not ideal. Now, uh, I have to admit that very frequently whenever I'm uh, talking about one of these things, I'll try and draw this spectrum where I have vulnerability scanning on the left and red teaming on the right and talk about how these types of security testing sit together. And uh, maybe that glosses over a little bit of the nuance. So here's a good episode where we can talk about the nuance of what is vulnerability scanning and how can you get the most out of it. To be clear right at the very beginning, I am broadly against annual penetration testing and I'm broadly against arbitrary frequency vulnerability scanning, be it weekly or monthly or quarterly, whatever. Um, I think there is more to that problem space than just saying, well, we test once a year or well, we run a scan once a week. So let's talk a little bit about vulnerability scanning, how automation can play into security testing, and then maybe talk about things like continuous testing, maybe talk about things like CICD and how that can impact things. But let's start at the beginning, right? What is vulnerability scanning? What am I talking about here? I'm talking about an automated approach to security. So instead of getting a, a human to sit down and perform the entire security assessment, the uh, majority of the work is being performed through automation. This is a benefit, in short, because it allows for more frequent testing to take place. The typical argument against vulnerability scanning is, well, you're taking out the intelligence and therefore there's going to be some issues. And those things are true, but like I say, it's it's a bit of a nuanced problem space. So, um, should companies be performing vulnerability scanning? Yes, absolutely. How frequently should companies be performing vulnerability scanning? Okay, it gets a bit complicated. So let's try and break it down. Um, What can vulnerability scanning test and what can't it test is going to be a big part of how to get the benefit of of vulnerability scanning. And this will grow onto a full internal vulnerability management program. Just because you run a scanner doesn't mean you have a VMP. It doesn't mean that you have a proper vulnerability management program. So uh, what can it test? broadly how i think of this is uh, a breakdown by effectively engine type so you would very likely have a separate engine or possibly an entirely separate scanner to handle things like infrastructure so this would be uh looking for default misconfigurations in network connected systems looking at things like missing patches certainly missing windows patches and that kind of thing and then picking up uh just inherently vulnerable services so things like uh telnet FTP in use that kind of thing um Vulnerability scanners that handle infrastructure—that's that's the box that I'm going to put those in. There's also vulnerability scanners that handle things like web applications, and the, there's a big problem space here. Uh, it, it's not necessarily just get a web application scanner and click go. It gets a little bit more complicated. There's also um, APIs, application programming interfaces, where those can be related to web application uh, vulnerability scanners, presuming it's some kind of web API. You know, speaks HTTP, speaks HTTPS. Speaks HTTPS. And it can be automated through something like WSDL or Swagger or something like that. There is some um, method of teaching the scanner how to interact with that system. So if you're not familiar with APIs or WSDL and Swagger, that kind of thing, it's just um, a descriptive language for teaching a system, or in this case a scanner, how to interact with the uh, with the API so that vulnerabilities can be discovered. And then there's some... Um, other types of vulnerability scanners so you could look at at container security and vulnerability scanners for containers that kind of thing but broadly speaking lots of different engine types and the problems within that space uh, are going to get uh going to be quite different but let's take a look at um web application vulnerability scanners just as an example just to pick one what does it test for well typically they're going to test for things like the OWASP top 10 well do a podcast at some point, no doubt, where I'll do a full breakdown of what the OWASP top 10 is and what the history of um, OWASP and the top 10 are. But just in case you haven't come, up, come across the OWASP top 10 yet, um, top 10 lists of uh, vulnerabilities within web applications. There is an API one and there is a mobile one, but top 10 vulnerabilities that you should care about. There's a whole discussion here around, well, what about vulnerability number 11 and who decides who's in the top 10 and things like that. But that's a story for another time. Right now, What a web application vulnerability scanner is looking for, web application vulnerabilities. How does it do that? Well, it's going to follow a similar methodology to what a penetration tester does. So when I talk about my penetration testing methodology, it's going to be application mapping. It's going to be finding functions, fuzzing those functions or, or, or flexing them in some way, using the functions to find out how they're supposed to work to find vulnerabilities there. Some scanners are more naive than others, and some scanners might just have a list, a a finite list of payloads to send to a system. And some vulnerability scanners might dynamically generate payloads depending on the system that they're interacting with. Vulnerability scanners may or may not be able to deal with authentication and may or may not be able to deal with complex authentication, where for the sake of this, let's just say complex authentication is anything other than a username and password. So if you have, you know, the memorable word thing where you're saying, Please enter the second, fourth, and seventh letter of your memorable word. Or something like uh, two-factor authentication or something like that. Cover all of that within complex authentication, and some scanners can't deal with that. So, uh, we also have, of course, um, complex functionality. So, two good examples of complex functionality. Um, My go-to example is things like car insurance forms, where there is a long, complex form, which is multi-stage, And if you don't answer the correct questions in the correct way, you won't see every code path. So, you know, if you don't select van at least once on the vehicle insurance form, you won't get to all of the van specific questions, that kind of thing. Again, I'm oversimplifying, but you can understand some um, user workflow that the vulnerability scanner might not naturally, (laughs) naturally is an interesting word here, but might not by default uh, flex all of that functionality and therefore that functionality won't be tested. And then also complexity around um, just mapping the application. So, for example, what if the application has a page that's like a calendar and you can click, you know, tomorrow or next week or whatever, you can advance forwards in time. And what if that's dynamically generated? Would a scanner trying to map the application hit tomorrow, 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 and then just just forevermore running in that loop? Um, if these things happen, then... Um, you're you're missing areas of the application those code paths aren't being assessed and that's an inherent weakness within vulnerability scanning. You would expect that a human that's clicking through one of these systems would be able to quickly determine what's happening and the fact that this uh, code path has been accurately assessed or deal with the nuance or sometimes even just talk to the developers to make sure that um, those code paths have been um, accessed. So because of this we get into all of these kinds of Trouble spaces within vulnerability scanners where we talk about um, how do we get the scanner past authentication? How do we get the scanner past complex workflows or make it so the scanner can, um, you know, predictably and completely flex all of this functionality? It's a difficult space. I hope you'll kind of appreciate that. Even if you've never thought about it, you can see that there's a lot of pitfalls scanners can fold out. And therefore, when it comes to vulnerability scanning, there's a lot more to it than just how frequently should it run? Some scanners um, let you kick off scans automatically. So you could have it uh, within your pipeline, within your development pipeline. And when you get to some gate, like code is ready to be pushed to production, you can spin it up within an environment and automatically kick off a scan. And that's good. That could, for your organization, solve the frequency problem, but there's other problems. I mentioned there just making sure that the application is fully assessed. Um, I mentioned, of course, related earlier APIs. If you don't have descriptive language documents like uh, Whistle and Swagger, the scanner might not be able to map the API and therefore might not be able to scan all of it. So there's there's, uh, similar problems for each scan engine type, Um, but that's a, a problem. What other problems do we have? Well, how does a scanner grade a vulnerability? Now, typically, that's not necessarily the best, just because you've always done it like this doesn't mean it's the the best. Typically, vulnerability scanners will grade vulnerabilities individually, and um, this can lead to problems. And this is one of the things that pen testing tries to address. If there are two or three vulnerabilities that can be chained together, then a pen tester would come in and and make that that note in the report to say these two or three vulnerabilities can be used together and that increases the risk. But if you're using a vulnerability scanner more frequently than you're pen testing for all of the benefits that that brings... That loss of context is is a bit of a problem. Especially where low risk vulnerabilities can be chained together and become high risk vulnerabilities. So how do we how do we get around that problem? I guess how first of all, how does that problem present itself to businesses and then how do we get around that problem? Um the, the way that it typically presents itself in my experience working with organizations who run internal vulnerability scans, they'll do a scan and then they'll start at the high impact vulnerabilities and they'll work their way down to maybe the mediums. Might get all the way through the mediums or might not. Depends. You run out of time and then you don't get through them all. You certainly don't address every possible risk. And you wouldn't necessarily need to. There's some point as you get into the laws where it's diminishing returns. I acknowledge that. I'm sensible enough to say that you don't have to immediately fix every vulnerability and that doing that wouldn't be possible. But um, the individual gradings that vulnerability scanners give you aren't necessarily going to be accurate. Some vulnerability scanners will automatically try and um, adjust the grading of vulnerabilities based on whether it was able to confirm the vulnerability or it's a potential vulnerability. And then things like whether it was able to determine, you know, is this risk behind authentication thereby possibly reducing the um, likelihood of exploitation, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of problems with vulnerability scanners. It's certainly not as easy as just give it a list of targets and click go, and I definitely see that. I've seen working in security for so long and working with vulnerability scanners and penetration testing for so long. I've seen customers do things like put RFC 1918 addresses into web based vulnerability scanners, as in SaaS platforms. So the SaaS platform will never see that target range. I've had Users put IP addresses in when they're wanting to scan web applications instead of URLs, and then expecting the scanner to just magically be able to determine that information, the v host or domain name information. Sometimes it can, but sometimes it can't. Um, so there's there's common problems with, with vulnerability scanners. And how do we how do we get around that? How do we get around this problem? You know, pen testing is inherently limited because um, you can't do a pen test every day or every week because it's I'm um, presuming for your business. Um, the financial burden would be too difficult and vulnerability scans you can run them more frequently aren't as intelligent as penetration testers so how do we get around that problem we see a lot of organizations moving towards more like a continuous security testing model where they're addressing the fact that system change frequently and annual penetration testing is broken but when you're looking at setting up these um, scans you should be looking at things like can it deal with authentication How does it uh, deal with things like chained vulnerabilities? Will it adjust context based on the other findings? How does it deal with things like um, complex workflows? How does it deal with the actual underlying application mapping? That kind of thing. What happens if the scanner has a problem or can't confirm a vulnerability? Um, If the vulnerability scanner has an indicator that a vulnerability exists, but can't confirm that it exists... What should it do? Now, there's this uh, balance here. I'm talking about false positives. False positives where the scanner flags a vulnerability and then you later come in and find that it's, it's not actually a vulnerability. The scanner's just got itself confused or misinterpreted some data. And very often when you talk to people about uh, false positives, people are, like, dead against them. And, you know, the scanner must eradicate all false positives. We definitely want to see no false positives. And um, that's understandable when you've got a lot of vulnerability scanning to get done and you've got a lot of security testing to get done and you're trying to run a business at the same time and having the scanner report to you vulnerabilities that don't exist because it's not that intelligent and it's just made a mistake can be a bit of a problem. But I put it to you, um, false negatives are worse. The false negative is where a vulnerability exists but the scanner doesn't report it. If that condition has come about because the scanner wasn't able to confirm the vulnerability but just found an indicator of it, um, tuning the scanner in such a way that it is under all circumstances, avoiding false positives could lead to false negatives. It's a balance. It's a balance to be struck. So checking out the frequency, making sure it's appropriate for your organization, making sure that it's integrated with your processes. I, I mentioned CICD earlier, continuous integration. As a, uh, if you can tie the scanner into that kind of thing, then that's a good thing. But it depends on how your organization is developing systems, how your organization is... Um, actually acting on this this data to how frequently you should run it. Dealing with things like authentication, complex workflows and that balance between false positives and false negatives is another really important area as well. So what else is there to consider when it comes to vulnerability scanning? Well I guess the the big thing is how does this benefit your organisation? How do you get more out of the vulnerability scanner? Yes, you can run a vulnerability scanner and it might find some vulnerabilities and you can address them, but in what other areas can it help? Well, the first one that I'm going to not dwell on at all, but I have to mention, would be compliance. Some compliance requirements need you to run vulnerability scans. Look at something like PCI with the ASVs. Uh, PCI is kind of quarterly vulnerability scans. But also, vulnerability scans can... Help you just confirm things that are supposed to be happening. You can use it as effectively like just a check. So, if you have a policy such as, gosh, what have I been working with this week? Cyber essentials, all critical security updates must be installed within 14 days. Um, if you have some policy like that or some compliance requirement like that, you could use a vulnerability scanner to verify that. So, you have a system which on a schedule, or on the availability of security updates, pushes those updates out, and then you can confirm that's worked with a vulnerability scanner. Um, automation is, is a good thing here, and we shouldn't we shouldn't um, err away from it necessarily. I know it's really easy to say, but you've just been saying how bad vulnerability scanners are. Yeah, but you know what, there's some things that scanners are good at, and finding missing patches is, is one of them in my experience. Especially where the scanner is authenticated and it can just log into the system and say, what patches do you have installed? And then check that against a master list of released patches. It's a good kind of second catch. We see this sometimes in major breaches. So let's not dwell on it, but an example would be um, Equifax's breach. So Equifax was um, hit by a, uh, an exploit for a vulnerability that was known. The vulnerability was um, well discussed within the security industry. Certainly the US certs were talking about it and pushing out guidance to organisations about the vulnerability. And, you know, an organisation, when this happens, when a new major vulnerability comes out, it's going to put some effort into finding if any of their systems are vulnerable. And if that's a human process, if humans are going to check each system and verify that they're up to date or not running vulnerable software, then that's good. But sometimes humans make mistakes and sometimes systems are missed. So vulnerability scanners can help in that area. If you're not familiar with the specifics of the Equifax breach and how the vulnerability scanner played into that, it's worth looking into because it's a good example of how things can go badly wrong. Um, I hope that you at least know that Equifax was breached and a little over 150 million records were stolen, but how vulnerability scanners play into that is a good kind of case study. Um, For no processes, no humans, and no scanning system is is perfect. So benefits are, it can be a good second check if you're doing a security action, it can be good to kind of automatically validate that that thing's working. But I think the big thing is you you shouldn't be thinking of vulnerability scanning and penetration testing as two separate things. Ideally, what you should be looking at is what are the weaknesses inherent within vulnerability scanning and how do we apply intelligence to this to reduce those issues, that we can get more frequent security testing without having uh, the the risk that those weaknesses bring in. So when we talk about things like um, the fact that vulnerability scanners grade vulnerabilities individually, well, how can we address that kind of thing? Well, get somebody to work with the vulnerability scanner that fundamentally understands how vulnerabilities can be chained together. So this could be an internal member of staff or it could be uh, an external provider that you have, um, someone like a penetration testing provider that can, as required, give guidance on these vulnerabilities. Now, I'm not quite talking about something like a managed scanning service. It, it could be a part of a managed scanning service. But the, the, the weakness with this terminology here is um, when I say a managed scanning service, are you just thinking somebody else running a scanner on a certain frequency if that's the case and it is just manage scans somebody else clicks go that is not addressing this weakness um, the managed scanning service that, that you subscribe to, if you do subscribe to one, might, might address this, but having somebody who has that experience, somebody who has that knowledge of possibly a former pen tester or a current pen tester, who can look at those vulnerabilities and inherently know that, okay, this is a low impact vulnerability when it's on its own, but coupled with this other issue that you have, they can be chained together. Or sometimes it can just be somebody to point out and say that, um, these risks need further testing. It could be someone to, um, to work with you and allow you to adjust that, um, that line between the balance of false positives versus false negatives so that you can retune that scanner so that occasionally, if it does give you a vulnerability where it can't confirm it itself, but it's just pointing out this is an indicator of a vulnerability, you can really quickly work through that problem and determine is it good or is it bad. You can regrade vulnerabilities, um some vulnerabilities, in fact, vulnerability scanners are going to give you typically a a grading for how bad is this vulnerability to a certain organization. Those gradings might not apply to you. Your organization might have some nuance of the way that you work, the type of data that you handle, or just the jurisdiction that you're operating under where certain vulnerabilities could be better or worse for you. So having somebody who can actually perform that action and work with the vulnerability scanner to effectively add a little bit of intelligence is going to be a really, really critical thing. Um, also somebody who understands uh, the the weaknesses in the way that vulnerability scanners work. So I talked about earlier, there could be um, some complex workflow of an application where a scanner can't typically uh, work through that. Some scanners get around this problem by having things like a scripting engine built in. So you can teach the scanner how to uh, flex that functionality. The thing is, as the application develops, changes, grows, Um, those scripts might need some maintenance. So again, this could be a third-party provider. Your managed scanning provider might just do that for you periodically, but it's something that you need to be aware of. You know, you can't just... Set up a scanner, give it some credentials, hit go, and then never think about it again, or, or check the uh, the weekly vulnerability summary that it gives you and say, well, there's no more highs than there was last week, so there's nothing to worry about. It requires validation that the scanner is operating on the correct scope. The scanner is effectively mapping the application properly. What is the mapped attack surface? The scanner is able to work through those complex workflows uh, be it because you've uh, developed some scripting or because you've developed some service description language or something like that. However you're achieving that needs to be maintained. And then also when the output of the scanner is gathered that you're not just saying, well, the scanner said it was a medium, so it's probably fine. Or, hey, we've gotten rid of all of our high risks. We've just got 100 laws left. It's probably fine. And considering things like appropriate grading, contextual grading, vulnerability chaining, those kinds of things. So the problem's space. It's a little bit bigger than maybe um, people think it is, and it's certainly a lot bigger than just clicking go in a scanner. Um, that would be, in my, in my opinion, step one. If you have achieved all of those things, that's step one. And then you should be looking towards, okay, now that we've reduced the issues with vulnerability scanning, how do we push what we're doing as an internal vulnerability management program further right? How do we get this vulnerability scanning so that it is acting and giving the benefit of Effectively more frequent penetration testing. So maybe we start moving away from just traditional vulnerability scanning for things like, um, you know, is there a known vulnerability on our um, attack surface, uh, the network perimeter, and and instead looking at things like, has something on the network perimeter just changed? So maybe instead of running traditional signature-based vulnerability scanning, maybe you're running internally as part of a VMP, things like port scanning actively monitoring that at- external attack surface to see, um, is something different? It, it has something changed that we weren't expecting. And then that can be investigated. But again, investigation requires um, some degree of, of security experience, not necessarily full-time penetration testing experience, but you know, it's, it's more than a scanner can do. And even then, there's still gonna be some risks that you just can't handle through pure automation. I always make the joke when people talk about um, you know, people frequently ask like, uh, oh, do do I ever worry as a penetration tester that vulnerability scanners, as soon as they have machine learning and as soon as they have artificial intelligence and things like that, you know, do I ever worry that they're going to replace me and I'm going to be out of a job? And my default answer to that is I'd love to see a vulnerability scanner break into a building because we do the breaking into computers and buildings things, physical access pen testing. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. Um, but my point with that is Vulnerability scanners will never fully replace this, but the further right that you can move things, the further right you can have so that your vulnerability scanning is more intelligent and more like pen testing, the more that you can move your pen testing so that it's further right and more like red teaming, the more that you broadly increase the um, maturity of your organization's security. So I think, I think that pretty much summarizes vulnerability scanning. What is it? It's an automated method of finding vulnerabilities in systems. What kinds of systems? Well, everything from containers to infrastructure to web applications. What should we be doing with it? Not treating it like it's a fire and forget kind of system. You can't just set it up, click, go, and then forget about it. It needs a little bit of intelligence. And for most organizations, that might be a dedicated resource, either internally or externally, that is at dealing with the output of that system. Not just a managed scan service where somebody is clicking go in the scanner for you, but somebody that fundamentally can understand that data and advise your organization on that. So however you handle that, be it a VCSW type service where somebody comes in and handles VMP, vulnerability management, for you internally. Or if it's just having a partnership with something like a penetration testing service so that anytime the vulnerability scanner finds something that you're unsure of, you've got somebody that you can go to and ask those questions. However you handle it, it is something to, to consider and it's something to, to think through. So that's it. I'll stop ranting about vulnerability scanners now. Very soon, though, we do have a, an interview coming up with Nick Blundell, who is um, Head of Research and Development at AppCheck. So AppCheck are a vulnerability scanner. They've got an infrastructure and a web application engine, but there's a lot of nuance there as well. So if you're interested in looking at how one provider has um, addressed these complexities, or if you're interested in me asking him some tough questions... Um, let me know those questions over social media. I'll put them to Nick and we'll see how well he can, how well he can handle it. Um, and yeah, if you think there's anything I missed on this kind of quick tour around vulnerability scanning and, and the problems, um, let us know over social media and I can, I can always pick it up in the next podcast and, and help out there. So thank you for listening and I will see you in the next podcast. The puppet, the